and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. talent and see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Tommy, can you hear me? And greetings, theater peeps. Welcome to the Movie Musical Shakedown. I am Chris Peterson, one of your hosts. Absolutely ecstatic that you're joining us this week for a dip into 1986's Little Shop of Horrors. And I am very excited about this podcast because this, for me, was a fun trip down memory lane. I was actually in Little Shop in college. I played Mushnik, so it was really fun for me to go back and watch this movie, singing like my parts and songs and things like that as well. Really, really fun. Great movie. Great movie to go back and rewatch. It has one of the best comedic casts ever assembled on screen. I mean, you've got Rick Moranis, you've got uh, Steve Martin, you've got John Candy, Bill Murray, Christopher Guest, Ellen Green. I mean, the list goes on and on about how amazing this cast is. And when you think about um, puppetry, I mean, the effects are off the chain. So I am so, so looking forward to like breaking everything down uh, this week. I've got a great guest with me this week is our co-host, Grace Aki. Uh, she's actually going to join us in studio because we are actually recording this in Times Square, New York. I am, I'm looking out my window, looking at Times Square. Uh, so this is a really awesome opportunity. So Grace was nearby. I said, let's, let's record live. She, she's coming down. Can't wait. Um, but we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about the the, mu- the music. We're going to talk about the songs, the cast. We're going to be talking about the controversial choice to change the ending of the movie as opposed to what was originally in the script. So, And we'll also talk about some of the more problematic things that are in this movie. Because there aren't a lot of them, but there are definitely some elephants in the room that we definitely need to address. Especially when we talk about the treatment of Audrey uh, throughout this entire film as well. So... Like I said, we're going to break it all down. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Grace is going to be here in the room with me recording, and uh, and we'll break it all down. But first, as always, here is the trailer. It all began in this little shop. Ow! Damn roses! Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happened. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. No, it's not this door. What kind of a weird effect is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plan? A girl. A florist. I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. 
save it all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. Feed me Seymour. And a plant. Feed me all night long. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Whoa! And we're back. Yeah! And I'm now joined live, technically in studio, yes. with Grace Aki. How are you? I'm great. I am living my truth with this cardigan weather. I mean, <laughs> I've been so upset with all of the sweat under my pits, under my mustache, and here we are now. I need a cardigan, so I'm very excited about the It's that time change. of year. It's yes. that time of year. I call it the Han Solo like time of year. Oh Everybody's got the vests now coming out, the yeah. jeans, the boots, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, is there is there a better time to be in New York City than in the fall? There is not, and this is always when people are like, I'll just come in December when it's Christmas. I'm like, no, 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 you're an idiot. <laughs> You need to come in October and November, and like this is my favorite time of year where it's like the Broadway flea just happened. It was September. New shows are creeping in. I'm, you know, we're like reading the critic reviews. Like it's just a good time. Right. It's a good time to be in New York. And this is the first time I'm actually doing this podcast live with someone other than my wife. Like my wife and I've done a couple episodes, oh, but other cool. than my wife, like yeah. so, this is kind of a monumental. Moments, this is a so. big day. We should have been, I don't know, cutting uh, a cake. I, I know, know, right? We should have brought something. I, I apologize. But we are talking this week about one of my personal favorite, not only movie musicals, but just musicals in general, mm-hmm. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop. It's everybody's favorite. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I feel like we're going to blow past the first question, which is like, what are our feelings right. on this movie? <laughs> I think we've just like skipped the thing. Just skip the whole thing. So exactly. Good. So, Grace, I have to ask you, like, what was your first Little Shop experience? Because this is like a staple in schools and, you know, community theaters. I mean, everybody <laughs> does this like, Hot take, why is this such a staple in schools, first of all? <laughs> Second right. of all, I mean, like, totally support it, but also, like, mm, because you know, like, there are those teachers that are like, I want to see her in an Audrey outfit, but neither mm. here nor there. Um, I My first experience, actually, was in my hometown, Dalton, Georgia, shout out. Dalton Little Theater is the oldest community theater in the state of Georgia, and it's in my hometown. I love it so much. And they did a production of it, and my mom let me see it, even though I probably should not have seen it. (laughs) And I was like, this is the funniest thing I have ever seen. Like, I just became just an absolute dork for it. And then my mom was like, you know, there's a movie. And I was like, shut up! And I literally, (laughs) I would watch it. It's just so good. That's awesome. Yeah, no, same kind of thing. I saw it, I think it was like on cable one day and I just this was right around the time like Honey I Shrunk the Kids I seen Honey I Shrunk the Kids of course so I was like oh it's the dad from Honey I Shrunk the Kids <laughs> yeah. oh my god like what's this movie about mm-hmm. um, and uh, but then like later on in life I actually had a chance to be in the show uh, which Stop. was awesome I was it was my junior year of college I played Mushnick oh. um, and so yeah like what was weird was like rewatching it and a lot of those chorus numbers I was like not singing like the song when I was singing my part in like the melody. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's what I got yelled at for what doing can, that note wrong." So, what in the in the I guess canon of musical theater is that role? Is it like are you like a baritone? Like what is Mushnick technically? Ooh, that's a good because question. Because Seymour's such a tenor role. He is such a tenor role. I mean, Mushnick, I mean, the song that I sang, it, it, Mushnick and Son, is such a character song, mm-hmm. so it's tough to kind of gauge what that is. I, I guess you could say baritone, because yeah. I remember I, a lot of the melodies I have were on the lower end, okay. um, things like that, so yeah, that, that's fair probably enough. Good, fair enough. Because yes. <laughs> I've never like even thought to ask myself, does he even sing? Like, I don't know. He has one song, but I, I yeah. think they cut it in the movie. I don't think he even thinks it's a mo- yes, in the movie, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't care about your thoughts. Exactly, but yeah, this is the first. This is the first like musical I've done in this podcast where like I was in the show, so it was Aww. a weird 
kind of a weird like, trip. Because they're also different. Like, you doing the show is different than, like, the film. Right. Mm-hmm. Much, much different. So let's talk about this. So this is actually, you know, the reason why I wanted to do Little Shop was, and, and I'm so glad you suggested it, was that mm-hmm. right now we've got two major productions of Little Shop going on right now. Literally, right here in New York City, we've got an <laughs> off-Broadway one with Jonathan Groff and um, Christian you know, Forearms, yes. Yep, Forearms, <laughs> which I'm hearing very good things about. Um, yes. You know, and then, you know, it's an all-white cast, so, you know, just put it out there. <laughs> yep. Um, and then we've got the most colorful, diverse cast ever on the West Coast. The most perfectly 2019 <laughs> and or just all the time should be cast right. in L.A. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, George Salazar is playing um, Seymour. You've got a trans performer playing Audrey. MJ I mean, Rodriguez is such an icon, especially right now, and just, like, having her do that is so good. Isn't it? It's so good. And Amber Riley, Hello. I mean, come As on. the plant, I can't. Come on, yeah. come on now. So, um, but it is. So that's why I want to do it. But it, let's talk about the little shop. So sure. it is. Um, it's such an interesting show. It's a dark <laughs> show. I mean, it's so, good. Yeah. so uh, you know, when they when they obviously brought it to the the silver screen, mm-hmm. um, there were going to definitely be some adjustments and things like that. But right. um, what were your thoughts on the changes that they made? Um, I you know I think that what they did because you know Frank Oz is behind this and we like love and respect Frank Oz forever and ever. And I think that what they, all the thing, all the things they cut, all the things they added, like, it makes sense. Like, I'm never going to get mad at it. I'm never mm-hmm. going to say, like, you know what they didn't do, though? Like, I'm never going <laughs> to do that. Because they kept the camp, they kept the dark, they kept the humor. And I think that they perfectly encapsulated what that particular musical should look like on a, on a screen. Mm, definitely. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I was I was all for it. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I saw the movie first before I saw the show. So mm-hmm. then seeing like the original ending, I was like, whoa, much different um, than than what I thought it was. But um, I thought it worked. I think I agree with you. It, it had the silliness. It had the camp. Uh, even when you're exploring kind of the darker themes of like you know violence on women and things like that. It's Wait, like, what? I mean, like, <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Like, we'll talk a little bit about that too. But like, yeah, no, there was just like there was some things that I liked. On that end as well, but mm-hmm. um, but let's talk about the casting real yeah. quick. So, I love the cast. I really yeah. do. Um, you know, Rick Moranis, you know, is fantastic. Um, yeah. uh, Ellen Green is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, just top to bottom, you've got like a murderer's row of comedic. You talent. do, and that's what's kind of bizarre. Like anybody who's not a comedy nerd would be like, you know, it's a bunch of dudes, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like they had. Um, like, Bill Murray makes a cameo. Mm-hmm. Jim Belushi. Christopher Guest is in it. Did you realize that? Like, waiting for Godot Hello. Um, and it's just, it's one of those weird movies where you're like, all right, so start to finish, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, see somebody. It was. It seemed like it was one of those productions that, like, Frank Oz and everybody involved just kind of mm-hmm. called their friends and say, hey, can you come in for a day just to shoot five minutes of, you know, of a film? Like, that yeah. Bill Murray scene makes no sense in the narrative whatsoever and yet it's it's in there we will circle back okay because i am indeed i would love to talk about that let's definitely talk (laughs) about that absolutely um and like john candy playing the radio host at one point and like that like of course you know exactly rest in peace peace. he was my guy but Mm -hmm. um yeah top to bottom i just just a really great cast um and just surprises like all around i didn't expect Rick Moranis to be that much of a singer and he's he's going for it and he's yeah i mean he, he he does go for it Period. Um, What other general thoughts do you have about the film? Um, I love the consistency in the design. And, of course, like, Frank Oz is a designer in his own right. I mean, like, 
let's start from like our first podcast together. Moulin Rouge, clear vision. Mm-hmm. This one, very clear vision as well. I think that it's just, yeah, I think that it's like very clear cut. I love the design aspect. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Actually, what was cool is at the beginning that, that the first shot of the movie, mm-hmm. when you got the three urchins singing and things like that, yeah. and it's raining out, I was so distracted by the fact that as they're walking <laughs> through the set, they're dry. Um, yeah. like they're, they're not getting rained on, which I thought was awesome. And mm-hmm. um, I found out that they literally had from above a like gigantic circle yeah. and pad. Uh, that was on strings that was would follow them from from place to place. But I was so distracted. Like the thought, it's like the thought behind it mm-hmm. is so good. And like to think that this was, I think it's Warner Brothers' biggest. Am I right? Yeah, Warner Brothers' biggest production to that date. It was wow. the most expensive film they had ever made until then. And it kind of looks like it though. With everything that's it does, in there, and yeah. it doesn't. Like you were to watch it now, you'd be like, okay. <laughs> like I don't. But you know, like the. The biggest puppet that gets operated, there's 60 people behind it. Mm. Take that, King Kong. I'm it's sorry. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, this time when I was watching it again, I was really looking at how they were doing the puppetry, especially mm-hmm. as, as the plane gets bigger. I mean, the movement in the lips is what got me. I was like, oh my God, there's someone that's just doing the lips. Like, that's right. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which yes, they did awesome. in slow, like the slow, they couldn't get it to go very fast. Mm-hmm. So they actually sped up the film, the takes, because. The, the puppetry actually could not move the speed of what it would look like if it were speaking. Oh, wow. So they had to amp up the speed whenever you see it. So they were actually moving it much more slowly. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, little things like that you would never know. So Bizarre. Awesome. What else you got? Um, I just, I don't know. Like, I just really love this thing. Um, <laughs> I, I love that there's, like, three incredible African-American women playing the Ronettes. And they all went on to do, like hilarious careers like they're all in comedy like it's just i don't know there's so many hidden gems like seeing tisha campbell um yeah young a very young tisha campbell in this and also her co-star in that was they were both together in martin on that show yeah martin, that's what i'm saying which like, i thought was awesome yeah just like a couple years later maybe around the same time right around yeah. the same time yeah mm-hmm. um so let's talk about something that is interesting in this film so they changed the ending for the movie. <laughs> okay. So initially they filmed the ending as it appears in the musical where, spoiler alert, uh, everybody dies. <laughs> everybody dies. Um, and as the, they should. As they should. And the plant kind of goes on this spree and we get this nice little number called Don't Feed the Plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends with basically the, the plant coming through the, the screen, the movie screen, yeah. you know, things like that. It's like world domination of the plants. It's the most egregious, crazy scene <laughs> yeah. in the entire world. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Uh, it looks like they spent their entire budget on that last scene. That, I think they, yeah, there was like some figure that somebody threw out, but it was basically one, I think, fourth or two-fourths of the budget, something like that. So it was crazy. bananas. But they, they put it in front of test audiences, and afterwards they wrote you know, their thoughts, and they were all like, screw that ending. (laughs) We hate this ending. Um, And then they changed it. So they changed it to, um, you know, everybody, you know, uh, is is saved, and, you know, Audrey and Seymour go off and have Mm -hmm. that life that Audrey was dreaming of and things like that. And Do you know the ending in Wayne's World when they're like, happy ending, (laughs) it's literally that. The Thelma ending. Yeah, so it's literally (laughs) that ending and they had to because they had to reshoot that's the only reason that Jim Belushi is in the film Mm. because the original uh, guy that did the role that you know whatever um, wasn't available to reshoot and so they said well we'll just call Jim (laughs) so that's the only reason we said it there we get Jim Belushi in this but yeah no it was was, 
I don't know. It's weird. I like the original ending though because it just makes things a lot more poignant. Um, mm-hmm. Especially you know with Audrey being eaten and telling Seymour to feed me to the plants so this way I can always be with you. It's like oh god, jeez, <laughs> punch jeez. me in the gut. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I wish that they had kept that original ending, but I mean 1980s sensibilities with people dying. I'm like I'm sorry, but like isn't this the same era of like Ghostbusters? <laughs> like what are we talking about? You don't like this? Um, yeah, it's just like that level of camp that Frank Oz understood mm-hmm. he was consistent with and then audiences you know disagreed so they got to make go. their money there you go there you go all right well let's move on to some of our categories then oh yeah let's, let's, do it. let's get into it so Grace, you and I both know that when we're watching these movie musicals, sometimes the emotions start to well up. The, the lumps in our throats get a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I call these dusty room moments, or maybe like allergy reaction moments or something like that. <laughs> um, but do you have any like goosebumpy dusty room moments when it comes to Little Shop? I think that when Audrey just starts singing somewhere that's green, you're kind of like, oh, this is sad. <laughs> like, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's all she wants. It's like, to me, she's not even really interested in Seymour. Mm. It's just, look, someone can be nice to me, which is heartbreaking and, like, the truth for a lot of women. Yeah. Like, I just actually just want kindness, which is not, you know, you just deserve kindness in general. Um, but when she starts singing that song, and, like, just her eyes, like, welling up with tears, you're like, I feel it. <laughs> like, I, too, have a sling on and a black eye. <laughs> I mean, it's it's... For me, it's definitely that moment as well. But what sounds weird, but like, I don't, I don't get emotional necessarily at the lyrics initially. Mm-hmm. It's the music. It's just hearing that piano chord, mm-hmm. um, and it just there's something just very beautiful about it. And yeah. um, it's 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 Alan Menken and Howard Ashman really at their best. I mean, yeah. it really is. Um, and I just found this out. They just announced, like they just uh, did an interview um, where we really have Maury Yeston to thank. For all of this. Um, Titanic's <laughs> Maury Easton. Like, right? hello. I mean, God's gift to musical theater. Uh, yeah, that's bananas. Did you read that? Yeah. No, I haven't So, um, Alan Macon was talking, he was doing an interview, and um, he basically said that one day he got a call from Maury and said, I hear you're looking for a lyricist. I know this guy, Howard Ashman. You should really talk to him. So, we have, like, <laughs> Maury Ashman Easton. Ashman and Macon, just because of him. Right. To thank for everything we've gotten since. <laughs> That's just, hey, listeners out there, give your friends a call and recommend your friends. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> really. Happens. And, you know, go listen to Phantoms, because that's an underrated music. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> subtle plug. Subtle plug. Thank you. We've been uh, compensated by Phantoms. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So, so there you go. But, yeah, no, that, that, that just the piano chords in that song are, not, are enough for me. But then, you're right, listening to the lyrics, mm-hmm. it, it is such a tragically sad song. Yeah. Um... And actually, that brings up a point. Let's talk about Audrey as a character real quick. Because (laughs) I find her complicated. Mm -hmm. And I think there's the easier route for her, especially looking at it through a 2019 lens, is like, why don't you just leave him? Why don't you just, you know, go do a scene It's like things like that. But she does drop lines in the movie where she's like, I don't deserve a nice guy. I don't, yeah. And it's like, oh my god. And I think it's so masked behind that character voice because every person that does it, like, usually excels in that kind of Adelaide, mm-hmm. like, character voice, you know, bubbly, blonde, noises off kind of, you know, bullcrap. But the reason that they can do that is because what they're saying is really, like, wow, like, so poignant and hurtful and... Um, yeah, I think that even now it's even more so. And I would love to mm. see, like we were just talking about, L.A.'s version of this. You know, like what kind of 
what kind of connotations does that have now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Really good point. Really good yeah. point. So that actually leads into my next section, which is the yeesh moments. So yeah. we know that sometimes these movies and pieces don't necessarily age well, and some things are like, Ugh, like that does not look good uh, through a present day lens. Right. So, any yeesh moments for you? <laughs> <laughs> Upon viewing this again, I mean, I think that. I don't know that I have yeesh moments for Audrey specifically, only because it all works within the camp confines of the dark comedy. Mm-hmm. So it's built to do that. Right. We know what it's going to be. The abuse is the abuse. And I know what to expect. You know, I'm not like, they could have portrayed that differently. No, they're portraying an abusive guy, an abusive, you know, a mm-hmm. victim of that. Um, but I did go, ooh, I forgot about this lyric. My favorite song in the whole thing is Skid Row. I know it's like the very beginning, but it's the best song. Um, and you just hear them blatantly go, cater to a million horse. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> cater to a million horse. Yep. It's just such an intense line that it just caught me off guard. I was like, all right. Okay, but that's, yeah. you know, that's down on Skid Row. That's what they're catering to. It mm-hmm. just really freaked me out <laughs> in the moment. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good pick by you. I mean, <laughs> for me, like, yeah, I mean, Amy, you know, Audrey's treatment throughout, that's a big yeesh for me. But, like, mm-hmm. um, what was even interesting, more interesting was during the dentist song. Yeah. Where he's constantly just punching his, like, nurse. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so, like, that's an interesting <laughs> choice. And like, yeah. my thing is, like, okay, if we're going to establish someone as the villain, they need to do bad things. So that, of right. course, is a bad thing. Correct. Um, do they need to do it a couple different times throughout the movie? I don't know. No, like, maybe not. Once, a, once is enough. Like, I get it. And apparently that was an ad-lib by Steve Martin, too. Like, that was not in the script. Like, you know, he punched so much in that movie that during a take where he kicks open the door, he punched through the glass and then, like, broke his oh, hand. Oh, and the date? At, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So he got his, he got his trust. Okay, so let's... <laughs> Enough of the punch in there, Steve Martin. Yeah, so there you go. Calm it down. Um, how about this? So we know that you know with these movies, not every question is answered and mysteries go unsolved. So sure. lingering questions about Little Shop. Did you have any? Yes, because we did just talk about this. Um, I still wonder if they had done the original ending, would it have the cult following that Rocky Horror Picture Show does? Because Ooh. I look at it, and if they do the crazy sci-fi bananas ending I think that it would have exploded maybe a couple years later Mm -hmm. Um, because it already has like a a cult following and an audience but I think that if they had kept that it would have turned into this like phenomenon during Halloween season Mm. and it would have had like oh and this is when we you know throw the plant at the thing and then this is when you know it would have the audience participation Mm. because it would have that element that's that's what my question is that's a great question Mm -hmm. yeah I I can see where you're coming from Mm -hmm. I think it would definitely would have added an extra element to that Lend itself to that. Who knows? That's yeah. a good question. I'm um, just trying to get them residuals. I'm just always trying to get them residuals. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. What about um, you? Is Ellen Green the definitive Audrey? No. No, I don't think so. No, I think she's like amazing, but it's not one of those like Patty LaPone, like no one else can be. Right. So it's right. A, like she is fantastic, but I think it's a role that a lot of people could play well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I did see the the Broadway revival, and I saw Carrie Butler in that role, and I had complicated feelings. Really, I did. Okay, I did. okay, okay. It because like Carrie Butler is such a good actress, mm-hmm. and um, I felt like she was. 
I don't want to say she was doing an Evergreen impression. That's that that would be too mean. But sure. it definitely the cadence of a lot of things, the, the sound of the voice, the, especially the way she sang it. I was like, you, you're a better singer than this moment right here. And I was just oh, like, oh, interesting. Um, and I just feel like that that's a role that like. I don't know. I feel like everybody who plays it's going to be compared to Ellen Green in, in some way or another. But such a bummer. Yeah. And maybe, but and maybe, mm-hmm. if we finally give it to someone that's not a white blonde girl, <laughs> maybe it'll sound different. I don't know. Who knows? But maybe they pigeonhole them, and sometimes you know this is direction. Right. They're like, we just want you to sound like this. Mm. This is what they want. And so I wonder if sometimes the actress is just like, I'm just going to do that because yeah. it works. Definitely, definitely. What other lingering questions do you have? Anything else? No, that was it. One question, one final question. Do you think Audrey 2 works better with a male voice or a female voice? I don't have a preference at all. Really? I think that it could absolutely be done by either. Mm-hmm. Because I was, and I literally wrote this down, I was like, what if this film gets made? Because I know we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And what if it's Lizzo? I would be down. Oh my God. Can you? Day one, I'm there. Exactly. Oh my God. Take exactly. my money. Take my money. Take wow. the money. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good casting. It was interesting in my college production. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a woman. Really. Um, it's a director's wife. So you know that's not <laughs> that's a separate issue altogether. I don't know what you're referring to, but right. Um, but yeah. um, yeah, and she played it very sassy, and it was a really interesting take on the character. So I've always thought about that since of like you know mm-hmm. does it work better as a male or female? But that's a good point by you. So yeah. Um, all right. So before we move on to start rating in our singing and dancing. Um, I always like to try to look up some casting what-ifs and some developmental choices and oh, things like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, tell me, tell me. Wasn't able to find too much. I mean, obviously, with the cast that they got, I mean, a lot of these people are first choices, It's I'm sure. solid, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was able to find a couple, and apparently, um, Cindy Lauper was offered the role of Audrey, but you had guys... to turn it down because she had tour date conflicts. Because they filmed in London. The whole thing was filmed in England. Yeah. Oh! Yeah. I found that out, which was weird. I was like, really? Of all places, you're going to film the whole thing in London? But um, <laughs> I guess, well, you know what? That is Skid Row. Let's that just is say Skid Row. There's a reason that, that we left. Reason. There's a reason why we left. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and apparently her tour con- conflicted with the scheduling. But yeah, Cindy Lauper as Audrey. What, would this movie have been better with Cindy see, Lauper? See, you just blew my mind with this fact. And you guys can't see me, but my face like is on the floor. On the floor. I would love that. I would love... No, screw that. I would love that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even care. I would love that right now. Because, mm-hmm. again, she has a very unique voice. She could totally kill that. She has, like, a very believable look for what that part is. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That would be so good. Right? I would... I, yeah, I would love that. The other person that was considered for Audrey was Madonna. <laughs> opposite reaction <laughs> I just I think I think we have a Vita and, and we have a Vita there you go you know I, I don't know it, but it, it's very different but also the 80s I guess those were our goddesses like right. those were mm-hmm. the choices so it makes sense that she was considered for right. sure and then finally I found this out initially mm-hmm. um, this project was supposed to be a produced by Steven Spielberg with Martin Scorsese directing it so well, it is 2019, and he is doing West Side Story, so there's hope. 2020, he'll probably just grab another there one. There you go. So I, I'd be interested to see what a Martin Scorsese Little Shop of Horrors will look like. But um, <laughs> De Niro's Moshnick. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, folks, with movie musicals, we need to know that, obviously, um, you need to have really four areas 
you know, just doing amazing things for it to truly be a spectacular movie musical. And then, of course, is the singing, the dancing, acting, and design. So what we like to do on this podcast is rate each one 1 through 10 and, and give some reasons why. So, Grace, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Singing, 1 through 10, and why? I'm going to go with a 4. Whoa! That's the lowest number you've ever given, I think. <laughs> truly, this is a new dawn, a new day for me. My jaw is um, on the floor now. I mean, you're like, <laughs> so. what's going on? Um, so I only give this a 4 because it's not a crazy belty musical in my opinion I don't think that this is one where you're like the phantom needed work but other than that Christine died like it's not you know I I don't need you to be on another level I want you to just deliver and to me this just delivers and I'm not like blown away by anything it's there's a lot of character voices yeah there's a lot of characters which is important Mm -hmm. but I'm not I'm not about to be like you know what their range sucked right exactly (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, somewhere, somewhere that's green, suddenly Seymour, even the more, like, non character type of songs mm-hmm. are still sung in character-type voices. And, yeah. you know, Steve, Steve Martin, bless his heart, um, he's just talking. I mean, it's not... I no, re- literally was like, he Rex Harrison himself right. so hard into this role. <laughs> right. I mean, Rick Morris is trying, but yeah, I, I was right. I didn't give it much higher. I think I gave it a six. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I was surprised that it wasn't maybe worse than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And I thought that the urchins kind of upped the, the, the average, so to speak. Fair enough. That was, that was about it. Oh, wait. So are we doing this out of ten or out of five? Ten. Oh, out of ten? Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. I, I, I change? Seven. Is this seven. <laughs> I changed. I was going to say four. Oh, my, oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I thought these were out of five. Out Let of me ten. make some notations. Yes. There you go. Okay, ten. Okay. <laughs> I, now changing, I know. Changing. Literally I gave that a two. I gave that a one. Oh my my God. SAT scores are garbage. Here is proof. Um, there you go. I love it. I love yeah. it. How about the dancing in this? Not a lot of like dance numbers, but just like the a lot of urchin movement stuff. I think that for this particular film, we should call this choreography mm. because there. You're correct. There is no dancing, mm. <laughs> pretty much. But the choreography of the puppets is insane. So we have to give it a 10. Yes. That's, I would just like to like give a nod to that. 100% agree. Yeah. Yes, I didn't even think of that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The puppetry is just off ridiculous. Now, I can't remember. Was It was Jim Henson's like creature people that yeah, were doing this, Yeah, I mean, right? you know, like Frank loves to work with him. And even the, the young girl that's getting like the dentistry work done mm-hmm. is Jim Henson's daughter. Wait, what? Yeah, isn't Re- that so The ones sweet? that's like, oh, well, yeah. really? <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, so yeah, it was like, of course, like a family affair, yeah. and that's why. Um, yeah. Good for well, there you go, there you go. I mean, that's why. Um, but yeah, no, just the, the puppetry is, is is incredible. I'm someone that like loves all that stuff. Like, yeah. give me Muppets, give me Dark Crystal. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen the thing on Netflix yet, folks, watch it. It's is incredible. it so good? It's so good. It's I'm, on my list. And I'm getting paid by them, so that's why I'm mentioning it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and here we go. And here we go. But no, I so yeah, just seeing that that kind of artistry on screen, I think, is awesome. Um, as well. So, how about the acting in this one? Oh, it's a 10. Yeah. Because they are so committed to that comedy, it's not even funny. And, like, the guys that they've asked to do this, because we should talk about Steve Martin for a second. Let's talk about it, yeah. Steve Martin is one of my idols. I was literally wearing these glasses one time, and I saw him, and I, I got them because he wears them. Like, I've seen mm-hmm. him on his banjo tours. Like, no, 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 it's not a joke. Obsessed with Steve Martin. At Steve Martin, please contact me. Um, But him in this film, people were like, no, there's no way this guy. And he commits so hard to this terrible person. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen the movie Novocaine. Is it called Novocaine? Yeah. Okay, so, like, what, mm. a, what a range what in a dentistry. Range. Um, 
But he's, yeah, he's so committed to this that you hate him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really works in the camp of the film. Yeah. So I'm going to say a 10. It was, with Steve Martin, it was like, with that character specifically, I was curious to see if I would still feel differently. Because mm-hmm. he's such a likable guy. Right. And he hasn't really played villains in, in his entire career. I mean, he's done it a couple times, but not... But not to the extent where you're like, oh, mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering, okay, with this character who I'm really supposed to not like, right. would I get there? And I, I did, actually. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Like, okay, he he turns it on when he needs to, especially right. when in the abuse um, mm-hmm. you know, scenes. And, like, that snarly thing. face. He's. I mean, can you imagine doing that for so many takes? Right. It's exhausting. Um, yeah. I came to find out that this is the only movie that Bill Murray and Steve Martin have done together. Like, in their entire careers, the legendary comedic careers, I'm like, this is the only scene, the only movie that they ever had, had together. I'm like, wow. So I was, like, watching it, in, like, with, like, reverence. Like, yeah, you're around. like, oh, this is bizarre. Yeah. And then also to be, like, because I love Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. It should be a musical, just saying. But Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, John much. Candy and Steve Martin, mm-hmm. and then them doing this film, not really together, but together. Right. Bizarre. It's so really bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, well, and also Bill Murray, Rick Moranis, right. and Ghostbusters. So it's like, everybody's in this movie. Um, yeah. And it really, what I loved about it, was especially watching it back, is is that generation of comedy. The, yeah. the, that that group of people, the SCC, SCTV folks, like um, <laughs> yeah. SNL folks. I mean, just all that, that generation of, of comedic actors, mm-hmm. uh, it really brought me back, which I thought was is awesome on that end. But mm-hmm. I also came to find out that that scene between Steve Martin and, and Bill Murray um, didn't have a script. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked, sounded like they were just improv at the entire time, which so, is awesome. that is true. Bill mm-hmm. Murray said, I will be in the film, but I would like to improvise every single thing I do and say. And they were like, oh, like we okay fine uh, because he wanted to play the role that Jack Nicholson plays in the original film which is directed by Roger, uh, Roger Corman yeah mm-hmm. that's right oh my gosh that's great I forgot See? Jack Nicholson was in that oh my god that's, but he's got such a tiny cameo because he's like jonesing to be hurt like it's absolutely creepy and he's like and then I've got like a pussy tooth and then I've got like all this going on and, and then he's like ah so he wanted to play that role very cool very mm-hmm. cool how about the design we talked about a little bit of the design earlier but what do you think about the design of this film I love the design of the film I mean they they capture that doo-wop era so well without mm. making it look costumey mm-hmm. because they I mean they put it in skid row they make it look gross it doesn't at all appear to be like a party city version of what we might think that is right so yeah yeah, I'm right there with you. I gave it a 10 as well. So, um, all right. Well, let's move on to the musical numbers. On this podcast, <laughs> we have changed the titles um, of this category. So, uh, basically, we have what are our favorite numbers, which we call... It's a bop. It's a bop. What's the bop? What's um, the bop? And then we have musical numbers that we're like, meh. That's not a bop. Not a bop. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, if you've got five minutes to watch this movie... Um, what song are you just going straight to? Like, what are you skipping ahead and just going right to that moment? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm going to start with you, Grace. What is your bop for Little Shop? I think on my iPod, iPhone, iPad, I have streamed Skid Row 1.2 million times <laughs> on on films, on on off Broadway soundtracks, on the Broadway soundtrack. When I hear "Alarm Goes Off at Seven, I for a moment, just sing. Like, I don't know any girl that doesn't love to belt that. The beginning, like, just solo. It's so good. I think that that song is one of the best opening. Uh, because there's certain songs that you're like, that's not a great opener. Mm. Like, you'll see a musical and you're like, that's that's not what I would have used to yeah. open it. And I think that they 
perfectly open the musical, the film, with Skid Row. Well, it's like, find me an Alan Menken, Howard Asher musical that doesn't have a good opening number. I mean, true. It's That's really, really true. They really, they, the two staples is that and then mm-hmm. the classic I Want song, yeah. which is like yeah. somewhere that screams. So, um, you know, up some, uh, up, uh, so I can't even think. <laughs> the Little Mermaid one, yes. um, things like that. So they they just they know part how to do part of your role. Part of your role, thank you. Um, they just they do that stuff so so well, uh, which I think is awesome. So I, mm-hmm. I expect nothing less. Um, for me, what's my bop? I mean, I got to go back to Suddenly Seymour. I just yeah. I love that song so much, and it's it's weird that I'm not picking anything that has Audrey too in it, like the the that feed, me, like, feed me, like, like it's weird that like and even mm-hmm. like in this in the. Um, uh, the movie, the song that they wrote for the movie called "The Mean Something from Outer Space," yeah. that, that actually got nominated for an Oscar. By the way, I, I found that out. I was like, that got nominated for Best Original Song. All right. So, okay, we'll um, take them. We'll take them where we can get them. Right. I was like, so I'm surprised I didn't pick something with Audrey too as a bop. But yeah. yeah, I mean that's where I am right now. I think, Fair. I think Suddenly Seymour is one of the best duets. Um, it, is. Know, it is. It really I, is. Yeah, so. you you don't go to a Fifty Four Below show with two people, and you don't <laughs> like they always have to sing it right. because it's one of those songs. It's like okay, we have to do this, exactly. and it used to be like Moulin Rouge's. Um, oh my gosh, the the one that they're like elephant duet or. Uh, I don't know if it's even in the musical, but there's like one from that everyone does from that one. And mm. suddenly Seymour, it's a bop. It's a bop. It's a bop. All right, what's not a bop? <sighs> okay, so stupid backstory for me. Um, so the meek shall inherit is not a bop. Mm-hmm. And when I was young, and including up until I legitimately just watched the film, I thought the song was called Meek Shall. Like, that's a Jewish term that I just oh, wasn't familiar with. Okay. No, it's mm-hmm. not. Um, oh. But I thought it was. <laughs> and I thought, Mikshal and Herod, as in, like, that's a type of fish. I legitimately <laughs> thought Mikshal wow. and Herod was some Jewish term that I was not familiar with. And I was like, you know what? That's their culture, and I should respect it. Like, I legitimately <laughs> thought that's what it was. And then I was going through the song titles as I was watching, and I was like, oh, the Mikshal and Herod. <laughs> That makes sense. And screw this song for never having good diction. I just that one is not a bop. Interesting. Okay, there. Well, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. I have a controversial pick. Maybe it's controversial. Mm. I'm gonna say dentist is my not a bop. I mean, it's not a bop, but he's gotta have his own. He's so. Here's the thing. Yeah. I only like that song when Steve Martin in, in that in the movie. Every other time I've seen someone perform that show, no offense to the castmate that was in the show with me, who's probably listening to this podcast. He's listening and he's very upset. He's very upset. Sorry. Um, it's just, yeah, it doesn't do anything for me any other time I've seen someone perform it, except for Steve Martin. You know what? That might be a fair take. Mm-hmm. Even though I, when I saw this a couple of years ago, when my friend was playing Audrey, actually, she's fantastic. Um, and then a friend of mine was also the dentist. He was just so hammy that it was so good, and he mm. had a killer voice, so it was like, whatever. Um, but you're right. You know, honestly, it's one of those that you're like, eh, we're good. Yeah, we do, like, do we need a song there? I mean, maybe. Okay, who knows? Yeah. But there you go. Um, finally, what are you going to fast forward to if you've got five minutes to watch this thing? I think I fast forward to suddenly see more. Mm, okay. I think nice. that I actually fast forward to that one if I'm, like, listening or watching. What about you? Um, <laughs> it's going to sound weird. Uh, Meek Shell and Harris. Oh, God. All right. Well, this is <laughs> re- fun. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. All right, last podcast, folks. Um, <laughs> no, the reason I did is because I, I love how, like, it just, from that moment on, it kind of speeds up to, the, like, the, the darker you know, elements of the movie, oh, so okay. to speak. It so, does something. The song right. actually does something. Right, it kind of kicks off the rest. But, 
But I, it's not a bop, so don't, <laughs> but, don't misunderstand. But, don't get it twisted. Not a bop. Not a bop. Not okay. a bop. All right, let's give out some prestigious awards mm. uh, for this movie. The Julia Award, which is going to the best singer in this movie. Who are you going to give it to? I'm going to give it to the Three Ronettes mm-hmm. because they are fantastic and they Amazing. hold that show up mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the regular show and then also in the film. They're heavily featured and their harmonies are so integral. Like, I have to give it to them, yeah. all three. If the woman at the beginning of Skid Row had a larger part and showed up later in the movie, yes. I would give it to her because she's exactly. awesome. Like she's she's belting and riffing away in that she's one killer. section, but I just wanted more of her. But mm-hmm. yeah, I gave, I gave it to three months as well. Um, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. How about the Russell Crowe Award? Come on, I think we have to. And again, I'm so sorry to my boyfriend Steve Martin, um, <laughs> but we're gonna have to give it to Steve. In my opinion, I have mm-hmm. to give it to Steve just because. He tries, but he doesn't try. It's mm-hmm. definitely just him speaking. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm right there with you as well. Um, finally, who gets your bumlet award for this thing? I gave it to Bill Murray because he had the audacity to include himself in this film and then also improvise a hilarious scene. So I give it to him. I, you know what's funny? I was going to give it to him, and then I mm-hmm. thought to myself, maybe he's a little bit too much in this thing for a bumlet. And then I was like... <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I was like, my initial reaction was go with Bill Murray, but I went with Christopher Guest. Instead. Nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it literally is three lines of dialogue. He's the first um, person to buy First the customer, yeah. and he does the, th- he d- his choice for that character is such an outrageous, like, he doesn't blink. Yeah. It says the same, like, very deadpan. It was such a cool choice to do, uh, and just memorable, so yeah. He's, he's also, like, for that era, incredibly bizarre career for that era. Right? <laughs> like, Princess Bride this and then waiting for Godot like also he's married to Jamie Lee Curtis bizarre life bizarre. so cool um, so cool this guy and yeah no like like Spinal Tap I mean if you told that me that is true right, and right. crazy and like mm-hmm. I remember someone told me I think after watching Best in Show um, what a gift that film is what a gift someone told me oh yeah I loved him in Princess Bride I was like wait he's in Princess Bride he's the him I had no idea yeah. and then I went back and watched it I was like holy crap um the incredibleness of prosthetic facial hair mm-hmm. <laughs> really fooled you. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, side note, mm-hmm. I did love um, the other day when, did you hear this news about The Princess Bride where uh, the producer was like, you know, very famous people want to remake, remake this Carrie Elves, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very famous. And then he was like, I think that it was good the first time or something. He tweeted something super funny. I'll yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis was like, well, I'm married to someone famous and it's a perfect movie. So like, don't... <laughs> Don't it. So well, good. actually, that brings up the next, uh, the last question is, okay. should this get a remake? I think it could get a remake after remake after remake because mm. it's fun. I don't think that anybody's like, there's nobody that could ever play so-and-so. Now nah, there's proof that people can play these roles. And I will, I would love to also include in this moment um, that I don't like it when people are cast that have incredible voices over people that play these roles very well. Mm. Because I feel as though, and correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> the character of Seymour is not a nerd. He is a dork. And those are two different things. Yes. Dorks, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, okay, a dork, a true dork, is just not so bright. He literally names the plant Audrey 2. Could not come up with a better name. Okay? <laughs> a nerd is really smart and would have, like, stopped feeding the plant. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just want people, I don't need an Andrew Rannells incredible I believe voice on those kind of roles Mm -hmm. I want and and maybe he can't act it you know but I just want people 
that are super character in yeah. in this particular instance. What was your reaction to hearing that Jonathan Groff was going to play this this role? Um, I again, I think that they were like, oh, so he's a draw, and he. <laughs> you know, I, I think that they're just, you know, like, he is a logical choice. Right. And I would just love for them to have gotten some dork no-name. <laughs> you know, some kid that, right. like, didn't get in the motion gun, but got in somewhere else. You know, like, I don't go. know, but I would just have loved something like that. But I think that that was a smart choice for them. It, it was makes funny. sense. Like, I read, like, all this, like, this Facebook stuff after yeah. they announced the cast. And they're like, he's too cute. He's too attractive <laughs> oh to play because, like, it, it's you know one what? of those things. It's like if you're, if you're, you know, um, oh gosh, who's playing Audrey? Um, oh, is it Tammy Blanchard? Yes, or, yes, yes, thank you're you. Totally right. Um, if I'm Tammy Blanchard and I've got Christian Borle and then there's Jonathan Groff oh, next sure. to me. It's like there's not much of a choice there. Correct, um, correct. But like, it, it just a lot of people are like. I He's want too Wallace Shawn in his prime <laughs> right now to play Seymour. Oh, I'll oh say it to the day. But, um, yeah, no, no, I totally get that. Look at Taylor Trench or something like that, where it's, like, more of a character type of, you know, I see the difference there, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. um, Yeah, no, I'm right. This is actually, I'm really surprised that they haven't made this into one of those, like, NBC Live musicals yet. So, yes, and and I do know a lot of, like, bizarre backstory behind why they pick certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is so uh, dark, that it's almost like unmarketable for those oh, live events, mm-hmm. um, but but each network is totally different. Like with what Fox picks versus what NBC picks right. is completely bananas. Like, do you remember when they were going to do J Lo and Bye Bye Birdie? Which apparently Question is still mark? like 12, 2021 now, probably. And like, like Hustlers just came out. She has no time. <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> it's not happening. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think you're right though. That would be a smart pick, but it's such a small cast. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Anything that we didn't hit that you wanted to hit before we <sighs> sign off on Little Shop? I don't know. We just love this so much. Mm. I feel like yeah. I think that we should get the remake. I know that there was a rumor about Lady Gaga. I'm totally mm. down for Lady Gaga to play Audrey in this on Broadway or in a, in no a film in a film. They're okay. talking about remaking the film in mm. 2020. Okay. So it's very much on the table. I think that we could get something really cool. Mm. I just want it to be really cool. I don't want it to be. Let me ask you this. Yeah. If they do remake it mm-hmm. now that we're in 2019. Do you want a CGI Audrey 2? Or do you no. want it to still be the puppet? Oh, no, it has to be a puppet. That's what I, I thought, think, right? Yeah. yeah, because it, again, like, it just all encapsulates, like, this silly, I mean, the, not the puppetry is silly. I mean, War Horse was amazing. But, <laughs> you know, puppetry can be super sophisticated. I think that, yeah, we lose the fun and the magic whenever we digitize things. Mm, so. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, Grace, this was awesome. This was super fun. As expected. As, I mean, <laughs> and it's so good to finally do this in person. We should yeah. definitely do more of this. Absolutely. Sure. Every chance I get, every time I'm in the city, we'll definitely make a point to do this. But um, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. Um, real quick, if, yeah. if you want to be found on social media, where can people find you? Sure. On Instagram, I am there 25 hours of the day. Um, at Gracie Aki, G-R-A-C-I-E-A-K-I. Or you can stalk me on Twitter. Grace Akichan, G R A C E A K I C H A N. That's awesome. And do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Anything that's going yeah. on? Yeah, so I'm doing my solo show at the Gotham Storytelling Festival for one night on November 5th, mm-hmm. which you can find through my social media as well. Awesome. And then I'll be launching my Tell Me on a Sunday podcast in 2020. I can't wait for that yeah. podcast. I know. I'm very excited. And so we're all going to be on the same network. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So Tell yeah. Me on Sunday, where, let's, 
Don't give me away too much because I want you. To, I want everything <laughs> to be kind so of surprise. Many secrets. Like, don't give me any guesses, anything like that. For sure. So what, where does the title come from? So I well, first of all, I would love to just put this out on Sundays because, uh, as a person from the South, like that's your day to relax and to kind of unwind and listen. Uh, but I kind of decided that instead of doing a normal interview podcast scenario with like creatives and artists and. Um, actors, comedians, what have you, I would love for people to tell their stories. And I'm, I'm a storyteller myself. I'm, uh, I've worked a lot with uh, Seth Barish that did um, the new one on Broadway with Mike Birbiglia. And I just love asking people, like, tell me your favorite high school theater story. You know, tell me, you know, when you started to try to make it in New York, what jobs were you hustling through? Tell me a story about that. So it's just going to be storytelling, and I think there's oh. a lot of fun comedic value and yeah. not a normal, like, hey, what are your new projects coming up? <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. You Thank know? you. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think that's awesome because you. you're, absolutely, you're 100% right. I think in this saturized market of podcasts, <laughs> especially with theater podcasts, yeah. a lot of them are the same. And, you know, you listen to it, it's like, oh, here's another interview show. Here's another thing. Right. Um, and I just would rather hear stories. I'd I think people talking. enjoy imparting that kind of knowledge besides here's my resume. Mm. So I think that it's time for that, and, and I'm excited about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait for Thank that. And, of course, you. when you when that premieres, we'll, like, push it out as much as we possibly can to the stratosphere. So awesome. Well, folks, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts, the Onstage Blog Podcast Network, which is now fully operational on, um, let's see, oh my gosh, Spotify, (laughs) Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, we're on Podcast Addict, I think that's another site. I I might be making that up. Anywhere you can hear podcasts, you can hear you. You can hear us. So we're all over the place. So definitely subscribe today. Please rate us five stars or or give us the highest mark because that helps the algorithm. Yes, please review. But uh, we will see you next week. I'm not going to announce what movie musical we're doing next because quite frankly, I don't know. But I'm sure we'll (laughs) talk about that later on. But um, we'll see you folks next week. But Grace, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for having me. All right, folks. We'll see you soon. Peace. song to leave behind one day more no day